I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery Podcast. Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Spafford, and I have Darcy with me today. Hello. What's up? Not much. Just excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) At night, when it's time to record these, sometimes Darcy gets sleepy, which is funny because in about three hours, sometimes she'll still be up, just like chilling on her phone, (laughs) sometimes till like 3 a.m., and I'm like... Come on, just let's get some energy in here. I know. <laughs> you poor thing. Well, I know you're going to get energized by today's topic because this is, well, number one, you came up with it. And True. it's like literally your favorite thing to talk about. So we'll get into that in a sec. But it's our 100th episode. Can you believe that? I cannot. Yeah, I mean, time marches on. We started this podcast in October of 20, what was it, 2019? It must have been 2019. Yep. Yeah. October of 2019. I think, you know, we've had like, we've had uh, bonus episodes in there and other people's interviews that we've published and things like that. But this is the 100th episode of the Self Mastery Podcast here on Mastery Monday. Did we start on a Wednesday? I think we used to do, no, it's always been on a Monday? Always. I think I was going to do it on a Wednesday and then I didn't have any alliteration, so we moved to Mastery Monday. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I want to read you guys an, uh, a, a uh, review that we got, which I thought was very kind of this reviewer. We, it came in on June 13th, so I thought I'd read it. It's from Crazy, right? So I think there's three R's, four A's, and five Z's in that one. <laughs> Crazy said, this podcast has changed everything for my spouse and I. We are both learning and growing together in ways we never thought possible. Thank you, Zach and Darcy, for all you share with us. We wouldn't be where we are today without you two. Hey, thanks. Thanks, crazy. Love it. I love reading reviews. It's pretty much my favorite thing to do. I may or may not check every day to see if there's a new (laughs) review. (laughs) So if you want to make Darcy's day, write us a review. How about that? Go to Apple Podcasts if you have it. All right. So Darcy and I just got back from seeing one of our friends, Jody Moore. And I thought that was it was an awesome time. We, We got to see her. We got to be live and in person. With This was the first time I think either of us have gone to like a really big live in-person event. I think you've been to like mom's retreats where there are like maybe 35 people. <laughs> but I've, this is the first time I've been to a live event since oh. the beginning of COVID. S- yeah, since COVID. I'm like, no, we've been to big events before. We've been to big events? What <laughs> like, are you talking about? We went to concerts yeah. and stuff. This was in our previous life before <laughs> COVID. And it was cool. I got to chat with Jake, who I love. He's a great guy. Jake is Jody's husband, if you don't know who that is. He's, um, he's famous. And apparently, Darcy is Zach's wife. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I heard, oh, my gosh, you're Zach's wife, which was super weird because I've never been called Zach's wife before. I've always just been Darcy. Darcy. <laughs> And so. I've always been called Darcy's husband. Yeah. Oh, you're Darcy's husband. Yeah. So it was. We go to homeschool things. Oh, you're Darcy's husband. Yeah. It was total reversal of roles, but that's all right. I, I, I rolled with it and I, you know, made jokes about it. So. 
I feel pseudo famous. Yeah, it was all good. Because people came up to me so many times and were like, hey, are you Zach? Like, yeah, 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 that's me. Hey, how's it going? Some of them were actually the mothers of clients. Yeah, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that was neat. And then there uh, lots of other coaches and stuff like that. We talked to so many coach, coaches. Yeah. We, we talked to so many coaches. And so many of our clients who we've helped and their spouses came up to us. We had spouses that were like, hey, can I, can I see you while you're there? It was kind of cool. And we we're awesome. It was so awesome. And so I'm so grateful that we got to hear people say things like, thank you and keep doing what you're doing. And this work is so needed. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yep. All the time. It was pretty awesome. So after spending time with all these coaches, it's really, I think, become pretty clear that this conversation, the conversation about pornography, is is ripe for change. Yeah. I, I, I always find it fascinating. Whenever I start talking about pornography, people start to, like, crowd around, and they start listening, and they start asking questions and conversing, and... I love it. I love, love, love talking about pornography. And I'm guessing not many people would say that, but I can seriously say that and be so excited and so energized to talk. Yeah, it's fun. I'll I'll be honest. People are so genuinely ready to find a new way to talk about pornography. Like they want to talk about pornography with their kids. Yeah. And they want to talk about pornography with their spouse. And and they want to talk about pornography at church. And, they, uh, and, and with they, their friends in a new way. I'm not saying they just like, you know what I want to talk about today is porn. But they want to talk about it in a new way, something different than, than what they're doing right now. And something different than the way that we've been taught for years and years and years. And so, yeah, that is kind of where we came up with uh, this episode. I was thinking, you know, we should really talk about how we can begin to to really change this conversation uh, surrounding pornography from a place of, of fear and worry and just so much anxiety and so much shame and, and so much uncertainty to a place where we feel empowered and you know ready to take on the world and and not fear pornography and not be afraid that it's gonna destroy either our children's lives or our spouse's life or or a marriage or you know our eternal families and really just begin to see pornography for what it is and and address it for what it is instead of bringing along all of this added emotions that that don't really help us remove pornography from our life yeah, and we would love to come tell our story to your congregation, to, to you know your ward, or your stake, or your youth group, or your young men's or young women's classes. We, Darcy and I, we love to talk to people. So if you guys want somebody to come and start that conversation in your ward, dude, shoot me an email. I'm in. We're in. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's more in than I am. I oh, guess. come on. You like talking <laughs> to people. And you like talking about porn, so it's the perfect opportunity, right? And we love letting this become a challenge that you know we face together and grow with and strengthen each other rather than, as Darcy said, all that fear, all that shame, right, in the deep, dark recesses of the world. So we're going to discuss today how pornography is not really the problem. And we're going to discuss ways to understand and recognize the fear-based messages that we offer 
And as we discuss some of these things that come up, we are going to talk about how we might address them, you know, when others bring them up this way, and how we can, you know, open the conversations differently and change the conversations from fear to love and hope and success. So let's start with something that <laughs> I, I can't imagine how many times this is said by people, but I because I hear it all the time, which is pornography will destroy your life or pornography will destroy your marriage. So let's just start with the, the fact that Darcy and I, we have not had our marriage destroyed by pornography. Is that true? Absolutely. Totally true. Do we know other people whose marriages were not destroyed by pornography? Yes. Yeah. So, sure. I mean, if you think, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, sure? Well, like every one of our clients was like, oh, now my marriage is back, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, you go all the way back to Jackie and Eric, who were one of the first couples we ever helped and how everything changed for them. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, wait, my, my life is not destroyed. And even outside of the coaching world, you know, and outside of our clients, we have friends who have struggled with pornography in their marriage, and it didn't destroy them. And so even, even if you go outside of our business, I can find lots of evidence of couples who have been able to work through pornography and, and, and kept their marriage intact. And I had half a dozen people come up to me while we were at Jody Moore's and be like, our story is exactly like your story. And they weren't like, and then my marriage ended. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, and we're so much happier than we used to be. Yeah. Because we found a way. And I just, I think that's so telling. And, you know, again, if you look at the statistics, something like 80% of men and something like 67% of women have looked at pornography in the last month. So if 80% of men and 67% of women have looked at pornography, self-reported, this is self-reported, in the last month, so we don't know what that looks like in terms of, you know, what kind of images they're looking at or, you know, how all that looks, right? Somebody could, somebody could say, I looked at bikini pictures and that was porn to them. So I'm just not defining that. I am just saying, if, if they are self-reporting that, yes, I did this, and if they're married, so let's just assume that these percentages hold within marriage, right? So we just take those marriages and we go, oh, well, how many of those marriages were destroyed that month versus how many people looked at pornography? I, I can bet it wasn't like 80%, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I know for me, having heard that message over and over and over again in my youth, that was a, a huge part of what created so much fear and anxiety for me when I found out that Zach was looking at pornography because that was what I believed happened when a spouse looked at pornography. I believed that it was going to destroy us. And it was years and years of believing that and feeling so hurt and so stuck and, and so broken in our marriage before we began to see it in a new way. Yeah, and, you know, just kind of, just to take a step back from it for a second, right? We're not, I, I don't mean to minimize the, the strain and the difficulty and the worry and the frustration and all of that that comes up when a spouse looks at pornography. And if you have ended your marriage because of pornography, I don't want you to feel like we're saying you did it wrong because we're not, Yeah. right? I 
think that people make those decisions and whatever reasoning they put behind them, that's, we're not, I'm not here to diminish that in any way. What I do want you to just kind of take a step back from what I think we're trying to say is if you want to keep going, you don't have to use pornography as an excuse not to. You don't have to be like, well, my husband looked at porn and therefore our marriage is completely ruined. Our sex life is over. He can never be intimate with me again and I can never be intimate with him again because of this. We're, we're saying that that's not necessary. If that's what you choose, I'm not diminishing that choice. But I want you to recognize and be aware that, that it is a choice you're making. And I'll, you know, I'll be the first to say, and I know Darcy will also echo this, there are lots of dudes out there who just aren't nice, nice guys. guys. <laughs> right. We didn't plan to say that together, but we did, right? They're just not. Yeah, and, and I found when I'm talking to the wives is most of the husbands are really awesome guys, and there have only been a, a handful of women that I've talked to that I was like, yikes. That that's a bad dude, and and I can't I, believe you're judging my <laughs> clients like this. <laughs> no, it's not even not even your clients necessarily, yeah, right? True. Like just that's from true. consults or whatever. Yeah. But there are there are differences, right? Yeah. I I think that that that's where I feel like as women we have to use our our inner guide and and really go deep on on who our spouses really are. Is is pornography a weakness that they struggle with and they're they're doing their best and they really strive to be good men or is pornography just one of the many 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 bad qualities that that your spouse has that that makes it untenable as a situation yeah and i think sometimes especially within the church of jesus christ of latter day saints pornography becomes kind of this acceptable de facto answer yeah and i'm i again not to diminish anyone's choices but also, it doesn't have to destroy your marriage. It doesn't have to be the reason. And, and if you want it to be the reason, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you no. But if you don't want it to be the reason, then we don't have to believe this. Because what does believing it do for us? Mm-hmm. It turns us into crazy people who treat our spouse like, oh, I got to fix this. Yeah. And that was super not helpful in our marriage. It, d- it didn't make you happier, that's for sure. No, it did not. And, I, and I, I can't tell you how many times we've coached on men and women, Darcy on the women's side and me on the men's side, to where it's like, no, 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 your spouse is not in charge of this, mm-hmm. right? So instead of this will destroy your marriage, what could we say about this? I like to say this could be the one thing that strengthens your marriage and makes it even better, which oftentimes our brains are going to try and reject, but... I can honestly say that that was how it worked for us in our marriage. Yeah. And I know other couples that, that they feel the same way, that, that pornography and this struggle that they went through and the growth that they both experienced and the learning and the connecting that, that they had to do to get to where they are without pornography in their marriage strengthened them. It helped create greater intimacy and greater understanding and greater empathy for each other than they ever had before their spouse struggled with pornography. 
Yeah, and we have we've actually had clients who are like, I, I I wish my husband had a cocaine problem instead of a pornography problem. Yes. And let's just be clear: we get the trial we get, and for some people, that is the death of a child, which is something that uh, you know I cannot fathom. Mm-hmm. It would be so hard. And for some people, it is cocaine. And for some people, it's an affair. For some people, it's drinking. For some people, it's money struggles. You know, there's all different struggles. And no marriage is protected from struggles. Yeah, none is. No marriage, right? So if you spend a lot of time going, I wish it was something else you're going to spend a lot of time wishing your marriage was different and not a lot of time creating the marriage you want. Mm-hmm. So will this destroy your marriage? No. This, this very thing could be the trial that creates the connection and the love and the, and the, um, the faith that you want, the faith in your spouse, the faith in God, the faith that helps you become the person that you want to be. I can tell you, for me personally, I am much more empathetic of other people because of this struggle. I have, I have been occasionally told that I should be a bishop because <laughs> of this struggle and because of the empathy that I have for others. Um, I'm not asking for that job, but if it comes, I would take it. That, and that for, me is <laughs> that, for me, is its own little transition. I used to think, no, never. And now I'm just like, well, if that's what the Lord wants, I'm happy to do it, right? But this might be the thing that puts you into a place where you never could have gotten. So just be aware of that. It's not that this will destroy your marriage. And I, by the way, I, do, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that to someone else, except for if I was coaching them. But I would offer that as a belief that you might bring into the conversation for yourself. Yeah, and I talking to some women, I've noticed that they feel really hopeful about this challenge that they're facing in their marriage with with pornography and other people like their mother will offer them a thought like oh well you know so and so's marriage was destroyed by this and you know this is going to be a struggle forever it's it's always going to be there you're always going to have to worry about it right and and they're they themselves are are in a different mindset and so I think it's really important to choose intentionally what you're going to believe about this struggle in your marriage and also begin to kind of, in a way, set boundaries with those around you that might want to offer you more of this fear-based language when it comes to pornography and say, maybe like, hey, mom, I would appreciate it if you would leave these types of comments out of our conversation because I am choosing to look at it in a certain light that is going to strengthen me and give me the hope and the understanding and, and just the, I I guess like the, the motivation to, to keep going even when it's hard. Yeah. And by the way, you can always send your mom to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure she would love it she'd be like what let's listen to a podcast on porn all right well so along those lines you will always be addicted this will always be a problem for the rest of your life right that kind of this is forever kind of kind of thing uh and one of the things i like to say to this is 
if we were incapable of change, we would all still be wearing diapers. Right? The idea that we can't change or that this will always be a problem just makes absolutely no sense to me as a literal human. Because we are constantly changing, constantly evolving, constantly becoming better at, you know, I am a very different person than I was a decade ago. And I'm a very different person than I was from that person a decade earlier. Or even a year ago, right? Oh, yeah. You've changed so much in just a year. Are you, are you commenting on my physique? <laughs> no. No. Okay. But you're right. I am totally different. And so are you. Yeah. And so are our children. And it's interesting to note that we all can change. So when someone's like, hey, you know, this is always going to be a problem for the rest of your life, be like, or I'm going to change over the course of the next year and I'm going to be better. Well, and, and what would the atonement be? If we didn't have the ability to change, then why would there be repentance and the atonement? And what's the purpose of agency if you can't change? Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Okay. How about this idea? You can never forget those images. <laughs> can you? Can you never forget them? I can tell you my memory is not that good. What about you? Do you remember every image that you ever saw? No. Definitely not. Not at all. So totally. Like, how is that even, how is that even helpful as a thought? What's the value in thinking that? Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like I need to clarify. Like, the images that I saw would be, like, finding it on Zach's laptop. Or... or you know, other yeah, as, other as a teen, right? Coming like across I, it, I right? I'd come across it as a teen, or if, if a child came to me and said, ah, deal with this. Yes, that kind of image. Very much so. But well, and imagine how hopeless that sounds to a young man or a young woman who's sitting in a, you know, a church setting, maybe in a Sunday school class or a priesthood or a, a um, young women's class, and hearing that, like, what are we telling that kid? that poor child, mm -hmm. and what's the value in even remotely believing that? There, I don't think there's any value in it. Well, and I, ju I just think, like, our brains are, like, massive computers, and we, I mean, so much goes in and so much goes out, and, you know, we learn stuff, we see stuff, and it doesn't all stick. Like don't you wish it did though? Sometimes, yeah. I, don't you I, wish there were like certain things that you would keep allowed to <laughs> keep? Like, hey, this is a keeper for yeah, always. Yeah, it would be really awesome if you could like look at a page of your textbook or whatever. Yeah, and when then we go were and in take college. your test and <laughs> just be able to pull up that image. I mean, some people can have do that. that kind of memory, sure. but I certainly don't. I I know that for me, I can learn all kinds of things and then forget it right after the test. Yeah. So why can't that be the truth about your brain when it comes to the, the images that that happen and that you happen to see or they happen upon or that you seek out on purpose, right? The truth is maybe you will remember those occasionally. Maybe those things will come to your mind occasionally over the course of the next number of years. But with the right kind of attitude and the right kind of tools, eventually they will completely dissipate out of your life. There, there is just not that, like, I just don't think people are that good at memory. Yeah. How many times have you wished that you could remember something? You're literally like standing there going, what was that detail when you're telling a story? And if you're, you know, like 
like my mother who's like, was it a Wednesday or was it a Tuesday? You know, it's like a totally unimportant detail to the story and then she offers it, right? But all of that to say, you can forget and you don't have to think, oh, I'm going to remember this forever. It's not, it's not helpful. What about, um, so this, this is the last one, right? So we, we saw this video uh, as part of the lesson for pornography on June 13th. Do you want to describe it? Because this is, you usually describe this in ours. Yeah. So this is like the number one thing that I like to bring up when I'm talking to a group of people is that video. And, and I brought it up with our stake president and I got highly emotional trying to describe the feeling that this video brings up in me. Are you going to cry right now? No. No. Okay, good. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's the one with the split screen, and it's like on one screen, the man chooses to keep the laptop open. And, of course, like... It and his family's, like, playing around in the background, and he closes the door to his office. That th yeah, Is that what's happening? I think so. I, yeah. I can't remember exactly, but... Uh, basically, the See, idea See, that's is proof that you won't always remember the images. Yeah. <laughs> the, the idea is that the man who chose to, to keep the laptop open and, and view pornography then went on to not read books with his kids, um, like ignore his wife in the kitchen, and ultimately ends up, you know, packing his bag and moving out, and the kids are all crying, and his wife is sad. And then on the image where you know, the man closes the laptop. Then he, of course, reads with his kids, is happy, loves his wife. And, and, and it's this very stark contrast between the two. And the problem that I have and, and what made me so emotional when I talked to the stake president about it was that Zach was the guy who closed the laptop, even though he didn't close the laptop. He was a very loving, attentive spouse. He was super hands-on with our kids. He was a hard worker. He, I mean, he was all of the things. Like, I've talked about this before on the podcast. And when we use those types of, of storylines, right, one, we are, we are teaching our children that, that that is what happens, right? If you leave the laptop open then you're not going to love your wife and you're not going to love your kids and you're going to ignore them and you're going to get sent on your way. And that doesn't have to be the story. Now, I'm not saying that every person that, that chooses to look at pornography is super loving and a great father. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that maybe in some cases that that, that is the truth. But I think when we're dealing with pornography on the level that we're dealing with it. I, I don't talk to a single mother who is not dealing with pornography in their home on some level. Then that is basically saying we are all going to fail. That the entire world <laughs> is going to end in divorce and heartache and and I just cannot continue to perpetuate that message and I I'm not going to teach that message to my children. What I'm going to teach to my children is that pornography is something that you're going to come across. It's something that is going to be enticing to you in a lot of ways. And, and then I'm going to teach my children how to manage that and how to deal with that and how to address it and how to have open conversations surrounding it and 
and how to talk about it with their friends and, and how they can also choose differently. So how, how do we talk about this differently? So when we look at that video message, what is it that we can say to, you know, everybody in that room who's watching that? You know, say we're watching it in a, in a Sunday school setting of some sort, some church-based setting. What could we say in that moment that would, that would change the conversation from fear to love, from fear to hope, from fear to success? Well, I, I honestly would just share our story, right? Our story was nothing like that. It didn't look anything like, you know, the, the screen on the left, if I remember correctly. And, and so if we continue to talk about pornography and to fear it the way that we are, we're going to continue to get the same results that we've always gotten. Which is greater struggle, greater shame. Uh, addiction-based thinking. Yeah, secrecy, totally. And if we can open up the conversation and be like, hey, I know everybody in this room has seen pornography. There's no question in my mind. So let's not pretend that we haven't seen it because that's, I, I don't know, I, could, I don't think I could walk into a single room in America, no matter the size of the room, unless there were infants in there, basically. I mean, as long as everybody was maybe over the age of 18, right? I don't think I could walk into a single room in the United States and that statement would be true, but would not be true at some point. Yeah. So if we can just stop pretending that that's the case and start going, now that we've seen it, how can we treat ourselves and each other kindly? How can we access the atonement and repentance effectively? How can we use faith and agency in a way that is, is going to move us in the direction that we want to go, which is away from pornography towards our Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. Away from pornography towards the values and the love that we have for ourselves and for others. And I think that is the way that conversation needs to be had. I know you agree. Absolutely. Yeah. You're talking to me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> She's like looking at me like there's somebody else in the room that I should be talking to. <laughs> in my defense. I just had to pause it because I was coughing. So, so yeah. So it's it just it, it is time to change the conversation. Like I said, Darcy and I, we're happy to come, you know, zoom in to your meetings, whatever. We you know, we'll come in live and in person if it's within a few hours or if you uh, if you want to put us on an airplane, we're happy to come then too. But we want to help you start the process of changing the conversation. And I think this is a really good place to begin which is to say, let's stop accepting when people say this will destroy your life. Let's stop accepting you can never forget those images. Let's stop believing that you'll always be addicted and this will always be a problem for the rest of your life. And let's stop you know, offering those videos, which are very, I think, fear-based and shame-based, and just say, you know what, this isn't part of the lesson anymore. And a lot of it really... I feel like becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You're like, oh, yeah. oh no, this is this is what happened when I when I look at pornography then, you know? And 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 for the women, I feel like that was totally how I felt when I first found out about Zach looking at pornography. I I literally thought my marriage was over and that I was going to pack up the kids and leave them and peace out, right? I 
I was so unequipped to to deal with this challenge and I I felt hopeless, I felt alone, I felt afraid. I I it was it was horrible. It was like seriously the worst couple months of my life after I found out about Zach looking at pornography and and then it went on for years and it's just it's just not worth it it, it, it there's so much value in looking at pornography for what it is it's a it's a be, it's a coping behavior for probably 99% of LDS men I wouldn't say that many. No, I'm not saying like all 99.9% oh, of men. Oh, 99% of the men who view it are using it as a coping yeah. mechanism. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'll buy That's that. what I'm saying. Like, it, it's really very little about the actual imagery and more about a way to cope with the unhappiness in their life, the stress in their life, the anxiety that they feel. The loneliness. The loneliness, like all of those things, right? It's it's so very very similar to how women turn to food or women turn to Target shopping or Amazon shopping, right? We all have something we struggle with, and I f- firmly believe that we've got to stop villainizing pornography and feeling as though we if we villainize it that that's going to make the problem better. It's just not. It's just not. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like if you're trying to eat healthy or whatever, or if you're trying to lose weight and somebody comes up to you and it's like, you're disgusting. I can't believe you weigh that. Like, that's not a motivator to lose weight. All that does is make you feel horrible about yourself. And when you feel horrible about yourself, you're like, I'm going to go eat a cheesecake or a bowl of ice cream or a bag of chips, right? That That kind of behavior never creates the results that we we truly long for and are and are striving for in our lives yeah i absolutely agree with that 100 percent. and i think we should end on that yeah thank you sounds good you're awesome thanks for thanks for chatting with us and thanks for sharing your perspective i i appreciate you know what you're saying there as far as how hard it was for you uh when you first found out and i think the people that are listening do too so thanks for that all right you guys Have a great week. We love you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you. Sign up for a consult at zackspafford.com slash work with me, and you can set up some time for you or your spouse to meet with me or with Darcy, and we can help you get started on your self-mastery journey.